da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. We are back again for yet another edition of the Mad About Movies podcast. I am Kent Garrison, joined by my cohorts as always, Brian Gill and Richard Barton. Welcome to the show, fellas. Hey, man. How's it going? What's up? You guys party? (laughs) So much, bro. Doing it as we speak, Richard. Just cool. Hashtag can't stop partying. I don't want to spend any time with hilarious banter. I know that's probably our most popular portion of the show is just the beginning on most episodes where we talk about. No, I'm sure. I don't know how we gained listeners in the course of this because the first 20 minutes of pretty much every episode makes no sense and means nothing to anyone. So uh, I think that's the part that people like, though. I think Seriously. we're aware of that. We yeah. are aware of that for the people who have yeah. that complaint. But there's so much to get to tonight. I really don't want to spend much time. Uh, with that, other than to say, we know we haven't done American Treasures in a long time, and uh, we know, so they will be coming up eventually. And maybe we'll do a double segment uh, to make up for lost time. But there's just been so much movie news, rumors, and rumblings over mm-hmm. the past couple weeks that I think that always takes precedent over uh, the American Treasure talk. So yeah. it's a good thing that we actually are recording when we are, because news broke yeah. On numerous items, big episode-worthy items. Right. Uh, Our Tuesday recording time really works out for yeah, us. I think we've. I not. think we're on kind of a PR schedule with Hollywood. That five, yeah. 5 p.m. on Tuesdays when on the West Coast is when most big news is announced. Yeah. So time it gets time to gain legs by the uh, by the weekend. But having said that, big stuff happening uh, for multiple franchises and some exciting franchises that we've discussed multiple times on the show. I think we should start. With uh, with Star Wars, because we are the official podcast of Star Wars, right? Uh, patent pending, and there are f- some names that we had discussed a few weeks back in regards to a, a Han Solo side project film, uh, offshoot film, whatever anthology film. I think what is what they're calling them. We we had a debate at the time about the potential actors, and I think we had a kind of a heated debate. There were certain <laughs> names in there that. Definitely inspired a response from the panel, <laughs> but uh, safe to say that they have narrowed down the names, and I think they've narrowed it down to the most legit people. And one of these names I don't think was in the in the the discussion the first time around. I think you're right. So apparently, last week in London, screen tests were done for the role of Han Solo, and there was a little bitty movie news item last week that we didn't get to talk about in regards to the fact that Chewbacca will be involved in this movie. The most duh news of... <laughs> I saw that like front page headline in Variety. Like, uh, we, we know? Like, imagine a Han Solo movie without Chewbacca. That would be weird. That would be, be awful. What would be the point? Weird. But anyway, uh, so we have three candidates left for the role of Han Solo. And those candidates are... I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing some of these names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alden Ehrenreich. That's close enough. We know yeah. from Hail it, Caesar. It might be Ehrenreich, but I don't know. Okay. I'll go Ehrenreich. I like that. And mm-hmm. who we know from Hail Caesar, who played the role of Robie Doyle in Hail Caesar. Great was, in Hail Caesar. It was, yeah. was the the highlight of that movie. Mm-hmm. And. Well, Scarlett Johansson, but you know. <laughs> as always. And. <laughs> 
uh, Jack Rayner, who we discussed his fine work in Transformers: <laughs> Age of Extinction. He, he won six so, Oscars. Is that right? I think they that just role? gave him six. Yeah, honorary. Uh, yeah, which honorary. I was outraged by. He's just B team Chris Pratt. Like I think he got yeah. lifetime achievement award on one of them. Actually, yeah. Oh, okay, so that's <laughs> kind of a, giving it to him in advance just because they the know Cecil B yeah. DeMille award. Cecil B DeMille too. Yeah. To Jack Rayner for his Rayner is just Chris Pratt. I mean, he looks exactly like right. Irish this is like this is a, a, in my opinion. I mean, we've only seen him in limited work, but this seems like a hey, he looks the part kind of a yes. thing. Yeah, rather than going on the body of work, which is to be expected with most right. casting rumors. Yeah, he looks to me like Garrett. Uh, what's the guy? Garrett Headland. <laughs> Garrett right, Hedlund. I Garrett yeah. Garrett Hedlund has some chops. No, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I love Garrett. Where's Hedlund. Garrett Hedlund in this discussion? He's too old. He's, he's too old. old. Yeah, it's like he's late twenties. Like I think he's. I'll look him up. But he's early 30s. early thirties. I mean, yeah. he can play young though. I mean, yeah, I agree. And he's got talent yeah, and the great. look. Yeah, he's thirty-two years old. No, interesting. Yes, yes. So, uh, the last one on the list is Taron Egerton, star of uh, the Kingsman. The Secret Service and Eddie the Eagle, which uh, came out the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. So the name that I didn't see the first time was Taron Egerton, I believe. Yeah, I don't think he was on there. I think, and he's he was our first choice, or yes, uh, for uh, Spider Man. Uh-huh. But they obviously went a younger route with that, and we'll talk about that here in a bit. But of the three, I mean, I would be pretty upset if it was Jack Rayner considering the three Same. that they've narrowed yeah. it down to, but I would be okay with, with either of the, uh, with, with Egerton or Aaron Reich. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. if those, if it came down to that. And I think there's maybe a possibility of an unknown still. I mean, but I mean, Alden Aaron Reich is kind of an unknown. I mean, yeah. at this point and Taron Egerton has, you know, done some small uh, sort of cult movies at this point. But uh, yeah, like I said, I would be fine with either of those two and I hope they go that direction. But I mean, once you eliminate the the Dave Franco's and Miles Tellers oh, out of the conversation, then I'm just glad that they they yeah. seem to be narrowing this down to the right kind of. Uh, yeah, I right thought uh, I thought Clint Eastwood's kid would have been a, a decent choice. He was on that initial yeah, list, and I liked him. Uh, Jack Rayner. I mean, you're right. He looks the part. I just I haven't seen him do anything that made me that screamed. A Han Solo or B, I am talented. So that you know, uh, I love Egerton. Can he pull off their or Edgerton? I don't know how you say, it, but I can he pull off the accent? Would be the right the only question there. Um, and the dude who played Hobie, I don't think he really looks like Han Solo, but I also think he showed a lot of uh, of range in that the one role that we've really seen him in. So I'd be okay with that. But not Rainer. I don't. I mean, if it, look, if they if they name Rainer the Han Solo, then I I'm not gonna like boycott the film. I just I feel like at that point we might be going more with look than with talent. I think you I, have I the biggest like chance for backlash if you go with Jack Rainer yeah. because headlines will be Jack Rainer, star of Transformers, mm-hmm. will be the new Han Solo, yeah, and everyone's gonna be like, what yeah. that guy? What right. the the, cr- the fourth build person in the worst Transformers <laughs> right. movie? So right. yeah. I mean, obviously they're going a younger route, but I mean, there's just going to be a backlash because there's the Chris Pratts are out there and the mm-hmm. the Hemsworths of the world. And the, I mean, Liam Hemsworth would be a name that I would have been, not Chris, but Liam has the charisma to do this. I think. I mean, there's just other names if they had gone maybe three years older, four years older. 
Yeah. Which in the grand scheme of things, isn't that, isn't that different, but it just makes me interested to, to see what direction they're going to go with this movie or how, yeah. Yeah. how deep into the origin are we going to, going to go here? Agree. Richard, any thoughts on this? So I, I, I really trust the leadership with this and both from a corporate standpoint. And then I think Lord and Miller are, are really, really fantastic directors who have the perfect, not only vision, but sensibility for this project. So I'm, I'm totally on board with, with really any decision they make. Cause I have complete trust in them. I personally, I think I'm so, even as not as big of a star Wars fan as you guys, Harrison Ford just is Han Solo to me. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he started playing him at 51. Like he played him at 27 right. or whatever he was. So it's going to be really hard for me to get past no matter who they cast. So I, I'm not saying that makes me more narrow-minded. In fact, that makes me a little bit, in a lot of ways, more open-minded to whomever they cast because I'm going to be very uncomfortable no matter what. So I don't really care. Is my point. Um, I, I know the movie's going to be great, and I'm, I'm all for it. But it's really going to be hard for me to see anyone else's Han Solo. It wouldn't surprise me, and they've already started doing this in in a way. It wouldn't surprise me if they CGI whoever gets the part their face structure to look more like Harrison Ford. Right. Yeah. They did that with the Looper Joseph bit. Gordon-Levitt yeah. and Looper to look mm-hmm. more like Bruce Willis. And it's so subtle mm-hmm. that you're like, man, Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of looks like Bruce Willis and it doesn't, right. yeah. it doesn't look like makeup or anything. I think they, I mean, there's, there's ways to go around uh, the illusion of somebody playing a different character. I agree. I'm, I'm not, I, I wasn't on board for this project at all when it was announced. I didn't know. Yeah. I, I think there's different ways you can do it. Um, you can tell the story of Boba Fett and the bounty hunters and have Han Solo involved. And I mean, it's just such a passionate character and especially coming off the force awakens with, yeah, with, uh, you know, what happens in that movie and and everything. I mean, people love that character and and, and it's the, maybe one character in star Wars. You can't recast younger. You could do Luke probably could do Leia as a young girl. I could see that, but you know, you're right. Harrison Ford is Han Solo. But speaking of Harrison Ford, nice. uh, he is not stopping anytime soon, apparently. Uh, we thought maybe he was done for a while, well, given, the, given the injuries that uh, he sustained on the set of, of The Force Awakens and in a plane crash. <laughs> <laughs> and so... What an American treasure that dude is. Oh, my gosh. AT. Just crashed a World War II fighter jet and was like, I'm good. See you later. On a golf course. Yeah, on a golf course. And then Four. Hope yeah, just teed off. Time. Yeah. <laughs> this is another project that I'm going to speak of that is I mean, so so much passion from from yeah. everyone, and uh, including the people involved. So Harrison Ford returning to the role of Indiana Jones, and uh, Steven Spielberg set to direct Indiana Jones 5 for release in summer 2019. So, uh, guessing they they would start uh, pre-production yeah. in 2017. I'm guessing when he's done with Ready Player One and the BFG and yeah, whatever. I'm not familiar with Indiana Jones Four. Is that a <laughs> real movie or it came out? I, I haven't. I still to this day have not seen that movie. Huh? I didn't know that that was. I've blocked it out. Perhaps I, I'm blocking this out, and so I'm going to ask a tough <laughs> question, which is very unprofessional of me. But maybe there are listeners that have the same question. Has Disney always had the rights to this, or is this a new... It came along with the territory when they purchased Lucasfilm. Okay, so they got Lucas. That becomes even more of a bargain. Right. 
Yeah. And that was yeah. under the stipulation, or it was, I guess, part of the handshake, if you will, of uh, the deal was that, yeah, we're going to do more indie eventually. And it was kind of the same deal with Star Wars. And, and they, they, they had to go to Harrison, and Harrison was kind of the ultimate say here. And Harrison, I remember watching some of the documentary content on the DVD box set of Indiana Jones and him talking about how from the very beginning their vision for the character of Indiana was going to become less physical with each movie. And he was going to have to rely more on his wit and knowledge and wisdom and things that he had learned on these other expeditions to get by. And uh, we maybe saw a hint at that in uh, Indy 4, but, I mean, there's still so much stunt work to be done in that movie and in other... Yeah. You know, I just... I just don't see how in even three years from now, Harrison Ford's going to be three years older. I mean, but... it, It... you can't end on the note of of the crystal skull. I think I this is more yeah. just to right the wrong than it is to that we have a story that's completely necessary. Is that a strip club? I'm unfamiliar again. <laughs> Brian, I don't know. We actually, it's actually a brand of vodka from Dan Aykroyd. Uh, which, <laughs> okay. It's actually based on that. It's weird. Okay. It's uh, cool, cool. it's terrible. It just drinks horribly. <laughs> It's basically it, Slimer juice. And it's only two hundred dollars a bottle, so <laughs> but like in it, like the inequity, it lingers for way too long. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't know when to quit. Uh, yeah. All right. That's our All Aykroyd. proceeds go to fund more Soul Man. So right. It's good. Good cause. <laughs> if we can get more Coneheads commercials, that would be. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> I want to know what executive approved that. Like, let's yeah. tap into a market that no one under the age of 40 has heard of. Well, right? I mean, obviously the Rob Schneider one was a hit. So how do we follow this up? They brought, remember Hans and Franz, too? That was another, ugh. Oh, come on. What are we doing? Yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway yeah, Indiana Jones. Jones. He, can't, what do you think? What, are you excited? Are you super unexcited? Like, where do you fall on this? Because I saw a lot of varying opinions on the internet. You know what? I think the biggest mistake they made was making Crystal Skull uh, because immediately after that one, they were just thinking, man, we should have stopped the trilogy. But yeah. now that the Indy 4 has come out, like I said, you cannot end on that note. Mm-hmm. It has I, to. I totally think this is going to be awesome. I do too. I think yeah. they really have thought about it a lot. <laughs> And yeah. I've seen it that, you know, George Lucas shouldn't write the movie and well, I'll go as far to, I'll go as far to say as he should not be allowed in the room at any <laughs> point in time during this right. process. He maybe has the weird yeah. more than any human, maybe more than even his wife. George Lucas has the best ability of anyone on the planet to convince Spielberg that something is good or is a good idea or is going to be funny or, you know, it's going to get, audio, you know, right. it's just they're I, on the same page about a lot of stuff. Here's the thing. I think a big part of that is Spielberg having always kind of felt uh, a little bit beholden to Star Lucas. Wars. Yeah. Luke, because I think Lucas, like, look, Jaws obviously is a big hit, but I think, I feel like Spielberg always kind of looked up to Lucas, even though they're basically the the same age, I guess, but it's... I think there was always kind of a I'll do whatever George tells me to do sort of thing where if like if George writes it and he wants me to direct it, then I'm going to do it and then I'm going to follow through on his vision. And I think that has changed 
post sale to Disney. I think that Spielberg is is finally kind of out of that weird shadow that he it always kind of felt like he he was under. And so for this movie, as I mean, look, Steven Spielberg, great. Harrison Ford, great. Indiana Jones, great. If you're cutting out George Lucas, I feel pretty good about the chances of this at least being a B plus kind of movie. You know, a decent fun adventure film and we don't we don't get enough of those we get too many epics and uh and comic book movies and things like that and this is i i always enjoy the the adventure film and Indiana jones is what do you say like one of the top three most iconic characters of american cinema i mean i right. to me this is as long as you are well, it's j daniel ha- atlas <laughs> it's indy two would you say indy two yeah uh, right uh, <laughs> the, cup, the cup is a firm three, I think, at this point. There you go. Now you've checked off all the boxes. On maybe, the, not at, maybe not, not at about the movies, time. bingo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I won. Bingo. On our 200th episode next week, we really, really need to. I was uh, going to go with Sonny Weaver, but. <laughs> we needed to, like, fill in all new listeners on all our bits because we've had so many questions lately. of like, what is the cup? What are you talking about? So I feel like we need to update. See the spectacular now, and that's all you have to do. And then we're sorry. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and try not to weep at the cup. Like again, that movie is 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 fine. I don't want people to listen to that episode and be like, "You guys liked it." And that movie was perfectly uh, it's perfectly yeah. a high school movie. But anyway, I I completely agree, Brian. Um, it it just seems weird that they would go this far. And by the way, Harrison has also a Blade Runner sequel coming out in two years. That's the one that needs with to with uh, Ryan Gosling yeah. starring, and hopefully that's more of a. Harrison's involved, but Gosling is the new Blade Runner, and that would, yeah. I would be okay when, with that. When does Firewall 2 come out? Is that <laughs> 2018, just kind of right in the middle. I'll be good. Yeah. I can't wait. There's... Paul, Bet- Paul Bettany is, a, uh, is an <laughs> angel in this one, though. There is some – man, Harrison Ford, I mean, thank God. He must thank God for Force Awakens because he yes. is such a rough patch for yes. – we talked about we, we've talked about this when we inducted him into the American Treasures. Is like there was at some point there was like a switch got flipped and he realized, you know, I'm Han either, Solo. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you'd like to believe that it's just straight up. You know what these guy these characters are awesome, but more than anything, it's probably if I don't embrace these things, I am going to be doing Nicolas Cage type movies for the rest of my career because he hits such a bad patch. And Cowboys and Aliens was like kind of his last hurrah before he recalibrated i guess heck of a hurrah so it's coming july of 2019 indy 5 yet to be good i'm all in i'm all in on that can't wait yeah this one makes more sense to me than the hanso oh absolutely absolutely Uh, not to say the hanso origin bit won't be awesome because like i said everyone in it's great but i'm nervous how do you do that there the han solo movie and again we're still two star wars movies away from the release of the haunts. I mean, we're going to have seen Rogue One and Episode Eight before we, and we're still going to be talking about the Han Solo movie. But so we don't. I mean, that all that to say, we don't know the direction they're going to go with the anthology films, and we might have a clearer picture after those come out. Yeah. But all that to say, I mean, it just makes much. More, it's it's the most obvious cash cash grab of any of the Star Wars projects that have been announced. Like I feel like Rogue One is a real kind of fanboys movie it's about the you know the plans to steal the death star which is only a small plot line in a new hope you know yeah. it's just going more exploring more of the small mentions in the star you know th- the clone wars 
is a good example because they're mentioned so many times in Star Wars. And then what a great opportunity for a TV show, you know, a kid's cartoon, you know, to explain a lot of that. I just think there are other stories to be told that aren't Han Solo, that aren't as easy of a story as Han Solo, if that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I think it, you're totally right. And that, but that's also why they're doing it. You know, like I, it's, yes, it's, it's kind of a cash grab, but to me, my opinion this whole time has just been like, yes, I could probably do without a Han Solo origin story, but if you're going to give me a new star Wars movie every year and you are going to do these kind of standalone anthology movies, then you're going to get some of these kind of movies. You're going to get some origin stories. And as long as you are hiring creative directors and you're bringing in good staff and all that, like I'm fine with these movies being B plus movies, you know, and, and being able to kind of tide me over to the next go around. And some of them, I think Rogue One has a good chance to be a really, really good movie. Some of these others may not be as good, but it's still for me as Uber, Star Wars fanboy, it's still new Star Wars every year, and that's I I don't know. I feel like that's okay for me. That's fine. Like that's I'm good fine, that. but just given the amount of stuff you can do with Star Wars, it's just like really. I mean, I think you kind of have to prove the formula. Though. I would rather I, them do a brand new. I mean, more with Ray and Finn than go. I mean. It's, Especially, I'll say this again, especially after The Force Awakens, it just feels like such a step backwards for this franchise. I don't... I don't know. I wouldn't say a step backwards, but I mean, is, is it as... Crea- it's certainly not as creative moving forward as the trilogy is, but their job, number one, is to make money. And so if you can make... I, I don't know. I just To me, it feels like you're absolutely right. It's the most obvious... Uh, anthology film that you could possibly make, but it's to me that doesn't necessarily mean that it's unnecessary, if that makes sense. Right. I want a origin film on Jimmy Smith's character. Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah. He's... Bail Organa, by the way. That's the uh, there. That would actually be more. Ch- I'm just saying. No. There are... my back tattoo. <laughs> I would like to see that more than I would like to see Han. I'm, I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like there's so I think many... once you get in the, I think it's for me. I think it's very easy to say that now, but like when you sit down in the theater and it's Lord and Miller and it's Young Hansel and you're seeing them do all these fun things, I think that will go away. Number one and number two, I think we as the pseudo film critics are in the vast minority of right what people like what the mass audience thinks and that's not always a good thing like transformers i don't want to keep harping on transformers but like mass audiences loved that or at least flocked to see that movie whether they thought it was good or not billions of people went out to see that movie and all of us critics and fake critics alike were saying this is terrible stop stop watching these movies you know and they all went to see it so different i think animal man star wars is a completely I, different well, <laughs> no one expects transformers to be good and no one I think I has, no one has the passion I think for there's Transformers a lot of people, that they have for them, Star Wars. Some of them are listeners of ours that think that those movies are, if not good, that are at least popcorn enjoyable. And to me, they're terrible, but I'm not going to – you can't – you kind of can't question $1.8 billion or whatever. Yeah, look, whatever here, here, here's where I am with the, with the, the Han Solo movie. Yeah, I, I'm in the setup of a magic trick right now. They're, they're sawing the woman in half. 
And I'm saying there's no way she can live or be good and be okay. And I'm more than willing and think that they're so talented and the leadership is so strong that the woman's going to get out of the box and still be in one piece. And I'm going to go, oh, my God, that was awesome. Right. But right now I'm in the setup of the magic trick where I'm like, this this isn't looking good for this woman. I'm nervous about this. She's not, not going to I, live. Again, let me reiterate. I'm not nervous. I know this will be good because of right. the people. I mean, I know it will be good. I'm just saying out of the 99 movies that you could make in reference or in homage to the original trilogy, this would be the 99th I would, I might pick honestly, yeah. just because of the, the passion for the character and the respect that I have for Harrison Ford and the character. I mean, but it's kind you of ballsy in a way to go. To it be, is ballsy. To do... You could have shot and this, you could have shot this year, a Han Solo movie with Chewbacca that that talk that's just him between Jedi and a Force Awakens, and it would have right. been maybe bigger. And I mean, there's just just to recast it and to I mean, it's just like because of one scene in A New Hope where that was pretty much cut out, or the Greedo scene that Han's talking about owing money to Jabba that we feel like we have to have this movie. Like that's, they feel like it's such a necessity to have this movie because no one will know. I kind of think you're underestimating like where, how, how many people want to know more of that story. Like that was a huge part of the expanded universe when I was a kid. Like I read so many books about Han, early Han Solo and Chewbacca. I think that that's, I think it's a, there's a much bigger market for that than what you're not just oh, it's I new know Star Wars. A I'm going to go see Star Wars. I think there's a lot of people that not only are going to go see this movie, but are actively wanting to see what happened with young Chewie and young Han Solo. And I mean, maybe I'm just arguing because I'm kind of in that boat, but um, I think, you know, I, I, talk, you I, I, I saw a lot of family this yeah. weekend and talked to them about some of the stuff coming out. Just, you know, random people who go to movies a few times a year and they were all super stoked about this movie maybe more so than definitely more than than Rogue One and maybe more so than than even episode 8 so i think that there's a lot of people that are that are chomping at the bit to get more it's going to have again it's going to have one of those cheesy subtitles it's going to be probably yeah. solo a scoundrel's tale or something like <laughs> just cringy and like oh that god gave me like great. why are we you know, a scoundrel's tale. I love it. Like you could have done this with Harrison Ford. Is all I'm saying. You could do another Han Solo movie. He didn't want to do Harrison it. Ford. That's the thing. He wasn't going to do it. it. And he could explain everything that happened. And yeah, but he wasn't going to do it. I mean, yeah. that's that's a big part. I think you're 100 percent right. If I think if they had their way, that one of these standalone movies instead of the origin story would be the just Han and Chewie going off and and having fun and getting back into smuggling. Uh, between Return of the Jedi and Force yeah, Awakens, but he wasn't going to. Captain gonna... Jack Sparrow. It's a I would have been less yeah. offended if they recast no, Indiana no, Jones he, than if they okay. had recast. Yeah. I, I, than if yeah. they had recast Han Solo. I mean, that's that's the level. I mean, it's they just... tried. Shia LaBeouf, man, we tried. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because he was the perfect choice. Yeah. <laughs> they really did <laughs> try that. Like he's gonna be the best when we. They Pass the torch. Yeah. Yeah. And then Shia LaBeouf had a mental breakdown, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. Those monkeys, man. The monkeys in that. The CGI monkeys attacking him just really. <laughs> but, I mean, there's so much left to say. I mean, but I think, I just hope it's more about, 
including Jabba and Boba Fett, and it's just not. I think it will. I, I really, I think that there's a wide open. It's like it's not. It's just trying to make whoever is cast in this role a star. Yeah, you know, and it's I like agree. listen, I, that, look how funny this guy is. Oh, I, look how ripped he is. Here he is with his shirt off with you. You know, like right. I think I, just, I would be concerned about that if like who directed. <laughs> Who directed the National Treasure movies? Uh, oh, I don't even know. Turtletop. What's yeah, his, like, John Turtletop. John Turtletop. If it's somebody like that, like Joel Schumacher, you know, some like hack director uh, who's just he's just here because Disney needs somebody to run the show and do what they tell him to do, then I'd be nervous. But Lord and Miller are great, and I I think you'll get five minutes of introduction to the character, and then we're off. And I think we'll all kind of forget, not at all forget who Han Solo is in our hearts and minds, but we will kind of set aside that whatever, not necessarily animosity, but, but uh, critique or just nervousness we have about the pro. I don't know. I'm surprised I surprised Harrison Ford when he agreed to come back as Han Solo didn't ask him or tell them, Hey, no more movies of no more Han Solo. <laughs> like let this, like, I feel like his, his character has put his hands in cement and signed his name. You know, I mean, it's done. It's over. We loved it, and it was. It's in the Hall of Fame. Like, why would you know what I mean? Well, first off, it was carbonite, <laughs> not cement, right, right Brian? <laughs> High five from over here. Um, High five. Ooh, I broke my fingers. Um, like, let him, let him just be. You know, let it be. I, yeah. I, I again, it's gonna be good, and I know I'll be on here in four years, being like, man, that was. <laughs> the funniest star I know it will be the funniest Star Wars movie because it lends itself to that subject matter very easily yeah and uh, the directors make comedies so it's easy to say that but the least excited I've probably been for a Star Wars movie not least excited but least <laughs> in the concept alone I mean sure. just okay Ward Miller we're, we're using them on this like think about that as opposed to episode like if it had been episode 9 with Ward Miller I'd be a little more stoked than I look at it. The I, other if, way it flop, if it's I flop, if it's as... if it's if it's Lord and Miller doing episode nine and it's Colin Trevorrow doing Han Solo, I'd be like, okay, well, yeah, that's gonna. I, I don't I see need that the movie exact anyway. Opposite. I think I think by the time we get to episode nine, it's going to have been in, set up so well that Trevor there. Even if I didn't think Trevorrow is a capable slash good director, which I do, I think he's better than Jurassic World would have us believe. I think by the time we get to episode nine, it's set up so well that it's going to be difficult to screw up. And I would almost rather not waste Lord Miller on something that's already been set up and put into motion. And, and they're almost just executing the game plan. I think I think this kind of has to be uh, visionary directors like Lord and Miller or that bring a certain brand to the movie rather than play into the brand of the movie, I guess. Yeah, I think they'll be it'll be fresh, but they're great. And anyone involved in Star Wars, I want I want it to be as good as it could be. And I um we still well, don't know. Well, there's a lot it, it if it if it's pulled off, it's going to be a very high degree of difficulty. It's going to be even better if it's great. Listen, if you gave me if you told me, "Hey, they're making a Han Solo origin story, who would you want to direct it?" They would probably be in my top 2, you know? <laughs> so, I can't complain about that, but um, again, number one. again, I just want to, I wish I was in the board meeting when they're deciding which movies they were going to do. And, um, 
the I, because I'm sure there were people on both sides with great arguments on why they should or shouldn't do uh, some of these movies. I mean, it's not as severe, but it feels in a way like the Amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man. Like we just <laughs> Han Solo just we just finished that. You know, now we're going. You know, I and all that to say, uh, we should talk about the Civil War trailer before we run out of time here in movie news. Uh, the newest Civil War nice trailer. segue, Kent. So you're a pro. I'm I am on it tonight. I'm not going to lie. I'm hosting <laughs> the crap out of this show right now. We uh, had another Civil War trailer, and this isn't the one I saw in the theater. I don't think it's made its way to the theaters yet. I didn't see it in Cloverfield. I saw a different trailer for Civil mm. War, but. Uh, first appearance of Spider-Man and uh, some new footage and characters. We get some, a glimpse of Ant-Man, get a little bit of better look at Black Panther, and of course the money shot at the end is Spider-Man. What, what do we think of the trailer? I thought it was a great trailer. And I'm done with trailers now. We don't need any more for this film, but I thought it was if you're going to keep releasing trailers like is the standard for this kind of big type movie, big tentpole property. I thought this was the way to go. You get just glimpses. You don't get anything plot-wise. I don't really feel like that we didn't already know. Uh, you get a very quick introduction to uh, a big a big name of in the this property that's probably not going to play that big of a part in the film, but that's fine. We, I, but I do think it was important maybe to, to kind of get a look as far as the, as the way the hype machine works. Uh, and get that out there. And so I thought it was a very good trailer, as have been almost, I mean, pretty much everyone from this, this Civil War thing. And the Civil War trailers are incredible overall, I think. Yeah, it's almost as if Marvel Studios is saying, hey, guys, Avengers doesn't have to be our biggest property anymore. You know? Yes, 100%. Like you, always, yeah. you always assume, uh, yeah, but Avengers 2, I mean, that's going to be the biggest, you know, but... This is going to be bigger, and I mean they're building something really special over there. Yeah, and this seems like the perfect culmination. I mean, there's so many shots in this trailer of just like the two sides running at each other, and I honestly, I, I mean, I didn't follow the Civil War plotline in the comics, so I have no idea what's going to happen in this. And this is maybe the most excited I've been for a Marvel's movie since the original Avengers. But um, there are people that will say they don't want more Spider-Man. And because we've gotten so much, but obviously it's in the right hands now. Uh, there's a split between Sony and Disney uh, with the rights to the character. Mm -hmm. And uh, my biggest complaint about Spider-Man is a, or my two biggest complaints is a, I think they we've done almost all you can do like effects wise with his powers. <laughs> I mean, we've seen him spin in every way and every perspective that we could see. I mean, they even perfected those techniques in the original Spider-Man, those still hold up uh, some of those uh, action sequences, but we've seen him go emo. We've seen right. right. I mean, every possible, but what I mean, what, and my other complaint would be, it's a little too young for me. I would have preferred them go a little older and maybe show us Peter Parker in college or mm -hmm. what it's like yes. for him as an adult. And um, I think more for the audience, they're going with the high school route more for, to attract the younger audience. And now they have this and, kind of next tier of heroes, right? Too. And this is kind of be yeah. the, the the head. I mean, along with with Ant Man, this will be kind of the next phase of Marvel. But um, I think, well, again, it's in good hands. And the actor I am a fan of that they got, and the the costume 
uh, debatable. Yeah. And so I think I like the Amazing Spider-Man suit more. I like the eyes on the new one, the like aperture effect on the eyes. I think that could be mm-hmm. something that we could see more. And I do like the mechanical web shooters. I know you hate that, Brian. Uh, I yeah. think that's a more logical thing is that there's, you know, a technology that shoots the webs and they go into more in that and they yeah. the Sony series, but Yeah. That doesn't really bother me anymore. It just was different cuz I grew up with uh, the biological Spider-Man, right? right. Yes. Yeah. Now I'm confused myself. So it doesn't even it doesn't even register with me. I'm 100% with you. I think I would have much preferred them to go with an older Spider-Man mostly because I don't want another origin in high school Spider-Man movie. I'm can we I just really want to be done with those, but they I don't think this will be origin. I think set. it'll be well, yeah, I, I don't I, think we'll get the ant the Aunt May Helen Mirren sore. is Aunt May. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, she would be great. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, but if they're going to go young, this is fine. This is a good way to introduce him, and maybe we can skip the junk that uh, that we have gotten three times now. Is it two or three? I don't even know anymore. It's just too many. Too many times. So, right. Uh, but that's I would like. I'd love it if we can just kind of skip that all together by introducing him here and not having to get any kind of uh, hardcore origin story. Hey guys, yeah. we're, we're, remember Andrew Garfield? Remember that guy? <laughs> Gosh, him. Who's fallen off harder, Andrew Garfield or Army Hammer? I mean, Am, <laughs> Army Hammer had that Uncle movie, yeah. but he was the kind of the second lead. What isn't even the lead in that? But I mean. But anybody, didn't... any guys been like told you're going to be a huge star more than them, and that weren't, you know? Yeah. Let, let me ask you a question though. Uh, in in this debate, uh, Army Hammer versus Andrew Garfield, which of them appeared in Entourage the movie? Right. <laughs> oh, boom! Army Hammer Point, wins. Wins Point every time. Hammer. Yeah. Wins every time. Oh yeah. Like, is there uh, anyone left in the hey, social Brian, network that's what that we, we can... call Hammer time? <laughs> oh yeah. I would have liked Army Hammer as Batman. That almost happened in the Justice League, uh, the original <laughs> Justice League. It would League. have fit the aesthetic. I it guess. was yeah. weird. He demanded to play them as twins. That, <laughs> that would have been. He wanted to play Batman good. and Superman. Fighting you know the story with the uh, Winklevoss twins? It's one of the biggest, maybe middle fingers in Hollywood. So they cast the Winklevoss twins. They cast this other actor as the other twin. Uh-huh. And then they, they shoot the movie. And they I don't know if they tell him before or what but they told him hey by the way your face is gonna be army hammer sorry you're not seriously you're gonna be in the movie but you're not gonna be in the you know i mean how disappointing would that be if you were i can't remember the actor's name but he was totally game it's like hey i'm in a fincher movie you know but you go from being a major part in the movie to not even being in it Almost overnight because the guy next to you is just out acting you like crazy. Yeah. Uh, and it's crazy. But anyway. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com 
slash mad. That's ziprecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ziprecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Now, that's movie news talk for this week. So much. So much. And we didn't even get to everything. But let's move on and uh, talk Cloverfield. So this is a movie I didn't even know existed three months ago. Yep. And here we are doing an episode on it. (laughs) It's crazy how well Bad Robot and JJ have been able to keep projects under lock and key for so long. And that's a discussion in itself. We could start there. This is a movie that was bound to be made at some point. Never thought it would be made like this. And I never thought this would be the Cloverfield sequel, the official. I mean, it's kind of not a sequel. It's not the same characters, but yeah, the next installment of Cloverfield. And uh, it was way different than I thought it would be tonally, mm-hmm. um, cinematically. And all the characters and the climax and everything was way different than I expected. And uh, this is this is a tough one for me. I'll be honest. Um, it's getting rave reviews mm-hmm. online, and but I had a lot of issues with this. Um, and good, good. I hope I know y'all did too, and we'll get into those. But I, I'm I'm more on the negative side than I am on the positive side with this one. And, and I wasn't that way the entire the entire time. But I think the honestly the biggest fault of this movie and this is half of my criticism is that it's called Cloverfield it yeah. ruined so much of Agreed. the tension of the dramatic irony that could have been here um but it just because it's Cloverfield it just we the us as the audience expect so much more and something so different than what we were yeah. getting the working title of this film was called The Cellar. Yeah, and then it was Valencia. And then it, and then it was Valencia. Mm-hmm. But let's picture this in your mind. Say you go and see a movie starring John Goodman and Mary yes. Elizabeth Winstead called The Cellar, and you get this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I have a completely different opinion. Agree. Of, I just think, and, and not to say it's a different movie because it's the same movie, like I said, but the experience of watching it, yes. for example... Um, I don't want to get into spoilers now, but John Goodman's character is so mysterious throughout the film. And mm-hmm. they really try to paint a picture of, we don't know what this guy's about. Is he a murderer? Is he a crazy depressed person? I mean, is he the most honest person ever? Does he have the best intentions of the world? Is this guy a, a pedophile? Is Does he work for the government? Is this guy an alien? There are so many questions that you have watching the film but the fact that this movie's called Tin Cloverfield Lane, for me, I just yeah. knew the whole time that he was telling the truth and that Mary Elizabeth Winstead needed to listen to him. And yes. you, by calling it The Cellar, you don't know what the crap, you don't know if there are aliens out there. You know, you're like, maybe it could be a car. Maybe it could be mm-hmm. military or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe there wasn't a blast. Maybe the air's not infected. You know, there are so many questions to be asked and answer but for me sitting like i said sitting in the audience i'm just like okay there are aliens we know that they're out there like i i just felt myself not rooting as hard as i could have for the protagonist here knowing what i knew about this property and this movie and i think as an audience a lot of people 
maybe didn't expect that. And, and they were just kind of waiting for that. When do we see the creature, you know, moment. Mm-hmm. And again, if this had been called the cellar and we knew nothing about it, we wouldn't even know yeah. if there was a creature out there, you know, right. it would have been honestly a better movie. So, mm-hmm. uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I really, I like the film quite a bit. Um, in spite of, in spite of the flaws, because I feel like I, I want to give, want to give Dan Trachtenberg a lot of credit, uh, the, the director for, for creating such a creepy thriller environment in spite of the fact that we all kind of at least assume we know what's going to happen at the end. Right. That's, there's a possibility that it could have kind of switched course. And I knew, I think we all knew going in, like it's not a direct sequel to Cloverfield. It just kind of takes place in the same universe. And so there was kind of a, an element of maybe that's a mislead and, and maybe we're not headed towards where we ended up heading towards. And I, and I think, Trachtenberg did an awesome job of creating some really creepy tension uh, and also a lot of credit. We'll talk more about Goodman in a second, but I, I, I'm impressed with the way that, that he was able to, to, to kind of work this around the fact that the title gives everything away. And, uh, but it is a real bummer. You know, like last week or the week before, we talked about 23 Jump Street and how it's crossing over with Men in Black, and we said – this would be such a cool movie if we didn't know that that was going to happen. Right. And if we could come out of that theater completely surprised the way we came out of like Sixth Sense, you know, completely surprised by that. And I think I think Bad Robot and J.J. Abrams and the whole crew, I think they deserve a lot of credit for putting together a smart thriller like this and for keeping it under wraps as for quite a while. And I, I do have to kind of wonder if... I want to know where the decision was made to switch over the title. Cause I, I, we saw a lot of rumors that this hadn't been a, this wasn't supposed to be a Cloverfield sequel for a long time. And, and then JJ came out and said, no, that's not true. It has been from pretty much from the beginning. Um, but I do think there may have been some kind of a switch at some point. It's not just the title, because lots of JJ and Bad Robot stuff goes under a, a working a production title f- way longer than most movies do. It's not just that, but I the 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 preview or the trailer, the way it's all tied into that Cloverfield universe. I wonder. Cloverfield was actually the working title for Cloverfield. I think they just right, kept right, it right. like it wasn't yeah. ever even a yeah. Well, that's yeah, totally. <laughs> Isn't there like, like a street? What, what does that there? even mean? Yeah. I was on yeah. Cloverfield Drive last week when I was in LA, and I was wondering, like, maybe their offices were just on the street or something. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's that sounds right. But I I want to know. I would like to know why and where the switch happened because I wonder if they figured we can make more money if we tag this as Cloverfield, or if it was that they were afraid they were about to get scooped on what the movie was about, and so they went ahead and just kind of rolled with it. You know, I. I'm interested in that because I think I think if this movie comes out on uh, whatever, March the 11th, and it's called Valencia or The Cellar, I think it makes – it made $24 million this weekend. I think it probably makes half of that at most. But I also think everybody walks away saying, dude, that was an awesome movie. I don't want to spoil anything. You just need to go see it yourself. And that the word of right. mouth carries it to a bigger second weekend. It's an interesting – conundrum that they kind of put themselves in 
or that they at least like leave us to speculate on because I really think I'm going to give this a good grade, a decent grade when we, when we get done with it. Spoiler alert, uh, a pretty, a, a decent grade because I think the acting is incredible and uh, the, the thriller aspect is really strong, but I do think it would have been a much higher grade if it was the seller and we had no clue what was coming at the end of the film. Yeah. Richard general. Yeah. I, I, uh, it's a really interesting movie with with some flaws, like you said, said Kent. Um, the reveal of uh, John Goodman's kind of intentions um, can go either way with with the you know the, with Cloverfield in the title, but the the reveal of you know the outside world and kind of the scale of it and the danger of it and everything. You're right, is harmed by the by the title, um, and so. But at the same time, I understand they're trying to sell movie tickets, and it, it does. You know, it's a bigger. It feels like kind of a pre-summer blockbuster as opposed to just like a little kind of uh, th- horror thriller that you would release in January without it. So I get, I get the marketing aspect of it. Um, but, but you're right; it does, it does take away from a lot of the, from a lot of the drama because you you do have that in the back of your head that this isn't really an intimate story about this room and these relationships within it. Uh, and the intentions within it of, of Goodman, and you you end up finding out that it's kind of all true, right? The the suspicions you have of him are are in fact true that that he's you know nuts and that uh, and murderous, and then uh, your, the intentions of or the 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 truth of the entire uh, um, world can be true with the with the Cloverfield piece. So it ends up kind of all hitting you. But you're right; the way they could have they could have scaled it. Uh, with a different title, it's it definitely something interesting to think about. And quite frankly, I hadn't really thought of it. So that's that's uh, interesting conversation to have. Well, I'm glad it didn't affect you because it definitely affected my watching experience. And I want to talk about the direction. Um, sort of the opposite of you, Brian. I think they could have done somebody with more experience could have done a little bit better with this work. I think Damien Chazelle crafted a really cool environment, and uh, there are some really clever scenes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially like some of the dinner scenes are very tense and awkward and I think, you know, yeah. purposely so. And the scene with the uh, people beating on the door to get into the shelter is intense. And right. I mean, there are moments where your heart's pumping a little bit, but you know, a lot of that is in the setup of the screenplay, but there are some moments directorially that I didn't really like. Um, I didn't think this was very cinematic whatsoever. Um, I mean, literally, Trachtenberg has done no, no movies. I mean, so uh, he's done a Portal fan film in this. So I it just for them to give them the him the keys to this is pretty uh, mm-hmm. is pretty impressive as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was there's the the moment when Winstead is walking up the stairs uh, for the first time is. Pretty. Cr- I don't know if you noticed her performance, and I was not on board with her performance much at all in this. Mm. Uh, she kind of she plays it a little bit flatlined for me compared to what it could have been, considering the situation she was in. I mean, she goes all out, but her all out wasn't the all out I wanted in this. Um, it was. It felt like Kristen Stewart trying to do the best she possibly could to seem scared or. Afraid, you know what I mean? It just, mm. I, 
I, I'm st- jury's still out on her. As far I didn't as I catch that. I'll say this: I think if it, I think if it went that way, then it becomes a horror movie, not a thriller. That's that's kind of how I take it. If he goes, if she goes all out on the, I'm terrified and I'm gonna freak out whenever these terrible things happen. I think she's just trying to stay calm. Is the what I took from the character? Well, she wakes up in a strange cellar, chained Mm -hmm. to a wall, and she just kind of wakes up and's like, "Where am I?" You know, like Uh, I would have, I would be like, she went through the gamut of emotions in like four minutes when we're just standing there. I mean, what while the camera's on her and no one else is in the room, she goes through. Frantic get out to I'm dead to okay, I've got to find a way to get my phone to plotting ways to like take out John Good. I don't know. I, I felt like that was a pretty strong in I don't setup, know if her performance in setup, was yeah. great, but I, I certainly didn't think that it was Kristen Stewart level. I thought she I thought she played it the way that you kind of had to play it to keep it from becoming a horror movie. I think it I mean you could have played this like like a movie like Room, like this is a serious thing, my life is at risk, you know, it, it could have gone more dark in places because of the sheer, like, keeping somebody in a cellar against their will is such a demented thing, and uh, I mean, again, John Goodman saves this movie for me. He's definitely the best part of the movie he, by a million miles. Like, when no did question. he start caring you know, again? You know, this is his best work in my opinion, since Lebowski. I mean, he... Oh, he, wow. No, he's done some great stuff. He's done some great stuff, but I don't remember a time when I was just like, holy crap, John Goodman could be the best actor in in America, you know? And you've said that, Richard. You said John, John Goodman might be the best American actor, and mm-hmm. he... I mean, when he really cares, he cares. And he gives a very complex, nuanced performance here. And again... Had it not been for the title, I really wouldn't have known what the crap to believe. Because someone hasn't here. been watching Alpha House, but okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, yeah, no, he's great. He's such a, um, he's such an intimidating, yet likable. He has a weird combination of of charm and intimidation that I don't think right. really anyone else can can he's match. A, and that's why he was the perfect person for that role. Yes. Right. Yeah. He was the perfect person, and I think he's there's going to be a good renaissance, hopefully. Uh, he's doing the he's doing the the uh, next King Kong. Yeah, uh, he just wrapped that. They shot it in Vietnam, apparently. Uh, I'm just so out on King Kong stuff. He did yeah, a great work right. in Argo too, but in a more of a supporting role. But mm-hmm. this was like, holy crap, John Goodman! You know, like yeah. this was uh, this impressed me a lot. But mm-hmm. man, what a complex and again nuanced performance and the the. Plotline with the daughter is really confusing, and I still don't know yeah. what was going on there. What's your opinion on that? And okay, spoiler, spoilers. Yeah, we're spoilers, way spoilers, 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 yeah, we spoilers. We may should go back and tag it. This whole freaking review is spoilers. <laughs> we haven't spoiled anything really with the end. So uh, my thing on the daughter was, I think she left, and he was trying to turn her into his daughter. I think that's the the. The T-shirt was kind of the giveaway on that. Like he's trying to dress her like his daughter and turn her into his daughter for the duration of the uh, the alien invasion or whatever's happening up. Above. So he never had a daughter, and his first daughter was somebody he kidnapped and convinced no, to be uh, his daughter. Is I, that yeah. story? I think, I think he may have tried true. that with other people for sure like the girl that he showed the the picture that he showed her that turned out to not be his daughter for sure i think that 
definitely could have been his first go around at trying to turn somebody into his daughter. I think he had a daughter at some point that the other Polaroid that falls out of the book, you know, with of him and that girl in the the Paris Mm T-shirt. I think that's his daughter. She bailed with the mom and left for Chicago or whatever. And he the other girl I wish that was like my main complaint with the whole movie is like I wish we could have gotten some resolution on did he in fact kill the other girl in the other area of the of the shelter or what happened i think that was probably a girl that he tried to uh make be his daughter i guess i should uh compliment tract and bird on one thing and i don't know if this was in the original screenplay and i can, can maybe go back and find it but the, when they when john goodman is describing the attack and uh describing or he admits to uh michelle that uh, that he ran her off the road, mm-hmm. and he describes the attack. I thought that was a great device that the director used by not showing flashbacks of the attack yes, or any footage 100%. of the attack. Yeah. So the audience is then picturing in their minds what they think it looked like or what it was like. Yeah. And they do that again when uh, the other male character is is talking with uh, Michelle about uh, the attack and says he saw it for real and it really happened and. Again, he's describing it. We, again, don't see any right. footage of the attack. And, again, that would have – had we not known uh, that there were, in fact, aliens, that would have been another – are these mm-hmm. guys plotting against her? Is this uh, – right. it right. would have been so complex. I, I mean, I can't even imagine what I would have been thinking at that point mm-hmm. uh, had it been a different situation. But, um, again, the dinner scenes are good. I think there's some funny moments with John Goodman. Yeah. Um, the I don't know about y'all, but the – um, gas mask plot line. It again, we're in spoilers pretty hardcore here. So like triple spoiler warning right now, <laughs> because I'm about to ruin the movie. If you hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. Is that the most obvious thing that there was not that the air wasn't going to be poisoned and that she was going to get out and then take the mask off. And it was going to be this big, the air is okay. You know, I, I just saw that coming from 9 million miles away. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, I wasn't shocked by it, but I do think in a in a movie this small with this few characters, I think you have to really go through it through the eyes of of those characters. It's not, you know, when it's when it's not a a big ensemble or whatever, like you you have you are Mary Elizabeth Winstead for for lack of a better right. way to put it, you know. And I think she had to if make that discovery. If she doesn't make that discovery, then you have to completely change the plot. You know, right. you have to change the plotting a lot to make that not happen. You're right. As a as a plot device, yes, that I, I felt pretty confident that that was what was going to happen when she got up top. But I think she still has to discover that, or you have to go back and completely change up your your storyline. Yeah, it just which again, if you change up your storyline that can fit into the narrative of of not knowing that aliens invaded you know what i mean like that that would play into that would give further mystery to uh what is what is happening out there yeah i thought there would have been more with the cell phone involved and mm-hmm. they made a little bit they made a lot of uh, emphasis to show us that and that there was no service um i thought she would have stashed that maybe away somewhere and escaped mm-hmm. with it and used that to save herself. 
And there's kind of a scene similar where she steals the keys, which is a pretty tense moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, there's also a scene where John Goodman comes down to the basement and she had just hidden away her suit and he's looking for it. That was another good, yeah, uh, a good moment. So there are probably four like, yeah, that was a good moment, but like the overall, and I haven't even gotten to the end yet. This is before <laughs> I'm talking about the ending. Um, it's just like the, the back of my mind. I just couldn't get that out of the back of my mind the entire time. And uh-huh. it would have, would have made a difference for me. By the yeah. way, I, I totally forgot about, uh, totally forgot about speed racer and Evan almighty. So the, between Lebowski <laughs> and now those were the two standouts. <laughs> And, uh, and confessions he, of a shopaholic. Yeah. He also <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh gosh. So did he. Good. He also voiced Potshaw in Kronk's New Groove. So uh, another <laughs> hey, standout. Look, that's a great film. <laughs> film, exactly. <laughs> he um he's he's a great actor, and again, I hope he does more with uh, what uh, this a little bit this little bit peak that he's on yeah. right now. There's a little bit of uh, Michael Caine in him. Of all right, you're gonna offer me the role, I'm gonna go and do it. But I also I want to say, especially I think, if it's near New Orleans, that I'm that's right. Him. Yeah, I think he's really good at not phoning in performances. Like even when he's in a crappy movie, I wouldn't say that he's trying the hardest. But I also don't think he's just like showing up and Miles Tellering everything and just total give up. You know what I mean? Right. And that's that's not it's not uncommon. I mean, Bruce Willis has made the last 15 years of his career off of taking crappy movies that pay him the most money, showing up and doing terrible work and somehow continuing. And he's an AT because of it. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> so I want to move on and talk about the end. Yeah. In the third act, because this is the most debated part of it. I saw comments on our Facebook uh, regarding this and I'll pull some of those out right now but again it's obvious to me that she was going to escape at some point um there's not really a moment where I felt she was in any danger mm-hmm. and uh that's a letdown and you don't feel like she's going to die at the end I never felt like John Goodman was going to go as far as he did in his character and shooting the other guy in the head and he actually did kind of end up being a murderer or a psychopath yeah, yeah. Which I didn't right. expect uh, that much at all, but that was that was another surprise for me. So, in regards to this film, um, I saw people commenting on our Facebook and saying that uh, the ending just didn't work for them, or they liked it up until the ending. Mm-hmm. And I can see why. I mean, considering the scale that we got again, the meetings with J.J. Abrams and when they decided to make this movie, I think it was just let's do the complete opposite of Cloverfield, which mm-hmm. was on set in New York City, and it's on as massive of a scale as you can do with found footage, and do a, ha- a what does that feel like if you're in a farmhouse, you know, in the middle of nowhere? And mm-hmm. uh, there, here we go. But um, considering the scale that Cloverfield was on, how, how much of a letdown did you feel the creature was, the reveal of the creature and all that? Um, I expected a little bit more than we got, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I think CGI was convincing enough but i'm just tired of the like slug teeth organic creatures i i understand if if an alien race is going to invade earth it's probably going to be organic because they're going to come seeking supplies or water or oxygen or whatever they run on and it's not going to be like robots or anything like that because why would they 
come kill us. You know, right. we've posed no threat to them. But I would like to see a little more creativity with an alien race. And I thought that we got that with Cloverfield. I, I would have preferred a kaiju here or something, a big, you know, <laughs> yeah. I just, the little mini attack the block alien didn't really work much for me. The ship was cool. And I thought the, how she destroyed the ship was clever with the Molotov cocktail and then the car. That was a cool scene. And a, yeah, I guess a cool little climax of an action moment. But um, again, the reveal it's like, wow, there's so much tension building up to that. Like, is she going to escape? Like, the movie can almost end after she escapes mm-hmm. and, and leave it ambiguous. And I honestly thought for a minute that was going to happen where the movie ends and you maybe see a flash in the distance and you don't even know if there really were aliens or not. And that's that'd be so JJ of you to do, right. to name this Cloverfield and mm-hmm. <laughs> for there to still be a mystery involved in whether there was actually an attack. But the opposite, we get kind of a scaled down version of of Cloverfield. And I can see why this would work for some people. It's more isolated. It's again, the complete opposite of what we got with the first film, but uh, maybe would have liked a little bit more. And I honestly, uh, I didn't expect her to keep fighting with the way she does at the end and drives mm-hmm. away to yeah, that was kind of help cool, other people. But what did you think of the third act? I, look, I thought it was fine. It was a little bit down from the, as soon as she escapes the bunker, it does go down a grade one way or the other just because that was such an intense environment and, and Goodman was so compelling as this creeper who is maybe trying to be a good guy. I don't know. And, but... and then another creep, before we talk this, right before that, there's the stuff with the acid and him oh my dissolving gosh. the bodies yeah. and her so turning down. it on yeah. him was kind of, holy crap. It was like a Jeffrey yeah. Dahmer situation and everything. <laughs> Right. Uh, I actually like enjoyed that, but I did too. I thought that was a very that really escalated it big time, and it was kind of right at the right moment because you, I, I felt like for me personally, I'm sitting here and I'm kind of wondering, not necessarily when are we going to get to the to the the point or when is this going to escalate, but how far is it going to escalate? Like we know, right. yeah. she has to kind of escape or at least half escape at some point. We have to find out what's happening on the surface. But what's going to happen in this bunker to get to that point? Mm-hmm. And that was way more shocking than what I was expecting, to be honest. Like, that it was much more ex- explosive and escalated to a much higher level than I thought we were in for. It's dark. Surprised it you got a PG-13. super dark. Yeah. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Definitely. Very dark. But once she does break out, yeah, I thought I thought it was a little bit of a letdown on the the creature design and just that wasn't a really creepy 
section of the film, given where we come from. Um, but I did think it was, you know, it wasn't overly long. It kind of wrapped up in a decent way. And I liked the, the concept of her kind of having discovered herself through this situation and, you know, going to, to join the fight or whatever. But again, gosh, the whole thing is just so much cooler. If we don't know that it's going to happen, if, if she busts out of the bunker and starts to drive away and knocks over the mailbox and it says 10 Cloverfield lane. And we're like, wait, what? And then she comes in contact with the aliens and, Right. And oh, if this was called the, the cellar, time. but we still get the mailbox yes. at the end, that would yes. have been the holy See, crap it, moment. It yeah. really hits. If you read, yeah. if you switch yeah. up that order, I'm totally. With honestly, you. even if you keep the name of the of the maybe not. keep anyway. the name of the film, the cellar. I'm saying, and you yeah, yeah, still yeah, have the yeah. reveal of the Cloverfield House at the end. Yeah. It would have been yeah. like, oh, JJ, you bastard! You know, it's such a cool, cool flip. And I just, I really do want to know why we had to get this title was it just we didn't think this was going to make money if we just released it without the tie-in Again, or... what what farmhouse is on a lane you know yeah, that makes yeah. no sense it should sure. be like county road 10 Clover, <laughs> you know it just yeah that's true. That's true. <laughs> anyway that's a small nitpick but yeah uh i'm sure we'll get a listener i actually live in uh Lake Charles, Louisiana, and right. that's what all the streets are called. Uh, <laughs> but with like a Cajun accent, probably. Yeah. No, um, I just think what you did, Devon. Right, <laughs> right. I just wish that we could have gotten that reveal organically instead of instead of in the the freaking title of the movie. That's all. Uh, that's really my only major criticism. I don't. I don't think this is a great movie. I'm much higher on both Trachtenberg and. Mary Elizabeth Winstead than you are, Kent, but I, I really, I think it's a pretty stinking solid movie. I'd really be interested to see what Trachtenberg gets a hold of next. So uh, especially I. when you're talking, you know, this costs somewhere between five and fifteen million dollars. That's a very impressive uh, budget. To if work the budget was that time. low, I just don't. Uh, that it's even more towards calling it the seller, right? Because if it's yeah, a J.J. Abrams-produced movie called yep. The Seller and it's kind of creepy, that's going to make $12 million its opening weekend, and then, you know, the buzz is good, another $10 million after that, and it's making good money, and it's paid for yeah. itself. Yeah. It's just an odd choice because I feel like J.J. is always so good at that and yeah. of, of keeping things under wraps. And I just, I just, I kind of, I have theorized with, you know, just in texting with friends and stuff that, that there was a, Somebody had figured out what was going to happen and was going to scoop it, and that's why they just went all in on, all right, we might as well just oh, really? call it this thing. So that's, found out I have no field. evidence of that. That just is a just a theory of my own. Just you, can keep this on- in, you could keep that entire thing secret, and the only it's reveal, a, again, would be the mailbox, and you could hide it in a truck on set and sh- shoot it with an isolated camera, and no one would see, you know? There are ways it's you could have kept this up. Uh, since since Sixth Sense. Not, not as far as like a, a cultural hit standpoint, because... Because that was that made so much money and everybody yeah. was talking about it. Not like that, but it, just in, in terms of the narrative and the the secretiveness of it, that's just such a cool reveal and would have made would have put this over the top to me. We would have all left the theater going, "Holy crap, what just happened!" Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think we're all telling our friends, "Dude, I, I'm not going to say anything, but you have to go see this movie." And I just think it's it, it's kind of it's a weird. I don't even want to call it a misstep because they did a. I mean, they made a lot of money, and they're getting a lot of credit for keeping it under wraps as long as they did and all that sort of stuff. But it, it does seem out of place in the J.J. Abrams-verse right. to let this 
get out ahead of time. Yeah, I wonder why Damien Chazelle decided not to direct this. And I wonder if he stayed on set as a script supervisor or what, because I I, I wonder if it's more he didn't want the stigma of ruining Cloverfield or something, well, you know, or didn't want to be a franchise director. But yeah. you, when you're a guy like that, it, A, he has great sensibilities. I mean, he made a jazz band look unbelievable. I mean, imagine what he could have done with this house, you know, cine- like cinematography and everything. But, um, you know, a guy like that and maybe – a younger guy in the 90s was Tarantino. I mean, a lot of these guys want to write and direct everything they do, original work and all that. So it just. I read somewhere that the. And it was from an official release. I can't remember if it was JJ Interview or Trachtenberg. Somebody, somebody officially affiliated with the movie said uh, Chazelle was planning to direct it and then he got the call and the funding to go make whiplash. And that was his project. That was his passion project. And so he left to go do that, that that's, and who, you know, that could be total spin service. Hey, I don't know but, about that. I but thought that whiplash was, the, was way, way, way before this. That was the as... official, uh, party line, I guess. Of, so he wrote, so, so they so had Chazelle the, yes. write the Cloverfield sequel the, before this has been in the pipeline for years. Yeah. Before Whiplash yeah. was even a thought. Well, that's had I mean that that's undisputed. Like this has been this is a script that gosh I wish I could remember where I found that article. But the the script has been in the Bad Robot house for for years, and they they took something, and then I think Chazelle was the next one. They say, hey, take this and figure out what to do with it, and we'll give you some money to make this movie. And they and so that's what this turned into. And then when he left to do Whiplash, then Trachtenberg came on, and they. Uh, they didn't change a lot. They changed a little bit and kind of retrofitted it, and and this is what we got. Yeah, that would have been it. Would have been definitely different to see Chazelle mm-hmm. involved. And it makes you think like, did he write this as a fan and then just give it to JJ and like, hey, I wrote this Cloverfield mm-hmm. sequel. Take a look, or that right. kind of that situation would be interesting. But man, what could have been is such a. It'll be always be my thought on this movie. Uh, it gave me some some thrills um it's kind of hard to, to watch it again knowing what we know now yeah uh, it's definitely a first watch kind of a movie kind of in a Shyamalan kind of way right but um i'm gonna go ahead and give grades for this unless y'all have any closing thoughts none nope i'm good i'm gonna go a uh, b on this mm-hmm. go ahead i'm gonna go I'm going to go just a little bit higher and go with a B plus. I'm I'm really impressed with Trachtenberg. I thought good, obviously Goodman was incredible. Like this is the, this is a performance that we could be still talking about at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought Winston did a good job. I just, I gosh, I really think if you just if this was the seller and it's just released and we don't have any clue, I think this is like an A, yeah, A plus kind. I mean, it's. It's really it freaks you out big time, and you want to immediately go back and see it again to try to figure out if you could see what was happening the same way you did with Sixth Sense. I, I just think it's a weird screw up. Yeah, uh, in a, I don't know. I just wish the title was literally. There anything. will be people to say, and I am fully prepared for these emails, so send them away. But to say, well, it's the same movie. Why would that make a difference on your grade? If, you know, if it was called The Cellar, it'd be the exact same movie. Why would it, the gray be so much? It does make a difference. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. the back of, I mean, you can't, you can't change that. You can't. Right. Ch- Especially when you're in this city, when it is, right. it's a basically a bottle episode. It's contained and you are 
you are trying to guess what's happening just as much as she is, except that you know what happened on the at the mm-hmm. very at the very end at least you know where point Z is. You know you don't uh-huh. know what's coming between A and Z, but you know where point Z ends up. Yeah, that'd be that'd be crazy. All right. Well, Richard, what's your grade? My grade would be a, a B as well, just a straight B. Okay, so this was a. I guess a kind of a bright kind of moving in the right direction towards this summer. And mm-hmm. we're going to get some bigger movies over the uh, next few months uh, leading towards the civil war and the rest of the summer, of course. But I always keep forgetting that star Trek is coming out this year. I'm pretty excited yeah. for that. I think that's going to be a fun one. Justin Lin at the helm, Simon Pegg with the screenplay. It's going to be, going to be a little fun, little summer, mm-hmm. summer blockbuster. I'm excited for that. But I think Deadpool is still far and away. The, Biggest movie of the year so far. It's the biggest bright spot and the one that we might talk about on top 10 of the year lists come later. But again, uh, John Goodman was, was great yeah. here, and uh, we might talk about him again yeah. this year. It's, Not for it's long. been a much B, better B versus ass is lurking. <laughs> <laughs> Roz? Gosh, we're so close, guys. We're so close to not having to talk about it. for. We few. get to talk Now You See Me too, and... The uh, the Justice League in a yeah. two month span is going to be, yeah. The year hashtag year of Eisenberg. Yeah, he's what a back. Great day. He's back. You oh, realize they're selling full posters of that <laughs> that uh, black and white photo of him as Lex Luthor. I saw that the other day and like Wait, a they're still poster. for sale. What 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 <laughs> where they yeah. released that as like a teaser promo image and people were like losing it it's lex luther i was like he just shaved his head what is the big deal you know and they're selling that as a who would have that in their house he's also on a, <laughs> just, he's also on a face. Dr. pepper can that i'm looking for actively every day just okay. trying to find to complete that collection to find it just looks so so weird and out of place all right uh by the way john goodman also doing a boston marathon bombing movie called yeah. patriots day that just uh just cast. It stars J.K. Simmons, Mark Wahlberg, and John Goodman. Yeah. So As directed by Peter Peter Berg, the man behind Lone Survivor and uh, Friday Night Lights. You're... And Paddleship. How dare duh, you? Duh. <laughs> How could I forget? All right. <laughs> let's move on, and let's talk Weekly Recommends. Weekly Recommends. Speaking of national tragedies, fellas, I want to recommend a show on Hulu, 11... 2263. I don't know if y'all watch it, the Stephen King series. I've seen it. I've, I've, I know of it, though. I've starring it. James Franco, yep. And um, shot and set here in Dallas Fort Worth. So there's a big incentive for me to watch it right there. But I've always been really interested in conspiracy theories and, and American history and Americana and things like that. And this is kind of a cross between Stephen King's weird mind and, and uh, the movie JFK or something like that. It's. So basically, the plot line, and I'll, I'll make this brief, is James Franco lives in normal times. He goes to this bar all the time, his go-to bar. He's really good friends with the bartender. And the bartender says, hey, or it's actually a diner. The, the diner guy says, hey, you know, come see this. Uh, no one will believe me. You have to see this. And basically, if you walk into this closet or back room in his diner, you go back in time. It's like a portal or some, of some sort. And so you go back in time to 1960, um, Dallas 1960. And so the there's other plot lines in the story like how you know friends of his parents died back then, so he's going to go try to help his friends. But 
uh, the main plot of the show is, you know, go stop the Kennedy assassination. Mm -hmm. But the twist is every time you go through the portal, you end in 1960. And the assassination happens in 1963. So there's a three years where Franco has to live in the 60s. But if he comes back to current times and then Mm -hmm. goes back to 1960, he completely erases everything he did the previous trip, if that makes sense. Gotcha. So he basically has one shot to do it and can't go back and redo it uh, again. So it's um, – I think I've got one more episode left, and it's it's not great. I mean this isn't like HBO-level stuff, but right. it's a fun watch. It's not a, it's not something you have to pay too much attention to. Stephen mm-hmm. King's always fun, just kind of how off the wall he is, and his creativity and weird mind always kind of brings a special element to especially miniseries. And so I'll check it out. And, and Franco fits well in the miniseries. It's kind of a might be his destiny to do that. I think I would like, you know, kind of how Kirsten Dunst in Fargo is like, yeah, she's not. We're not huge fans of her, but in the right setting and especially yeah. in a miniseries, like wow, Kristen, she fits so great in this uh, format, and so does Franco. And so it's a fun little uh, little movie or a miniseries on Hulu. I signed up for a free trial, thirty days. And yeah. uh, you can do that, and and, and they, I think all of them are on now. I think the last episode just went on today. So, cool. That's my recommend. Eleven twenty two sixty three. Brian, I'm going to recommend a book that I got for Christmas and just haven't had a chance to tell you all about. Um, you all know of my great appreciation for the coolest person ever to grace the world, taboo. having a taboo from the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> uh, I do own that autobiography. Thank You're you, welcome. Richard. Uh, it sits prominently on my shelf in my office at work. And this is not a joke. Richard gave me this book six, eight years ago. And uh, I still have it displayed prominently. And I love it because uh, people will come in and they'll sit in my corner chair. And uh, we'll just kind of be scanning the room. And you can always, 100%, always tell when somebody makes eye contact with the taboo book because their face changes dramatically one way or the other. And they always, there's always, I love to watch and see if people will either a go, what is that? Or B (laughs) will just try to pretend like it's not there and move on. And it's always, always a fun game. So I do recommend the taboo autobiography. I'm pretty sure you get it for, for like 75 cents on. I'm still waiting on my Bruce Valanche bio. (laughs) I have it. Next time I see you, I shall give it to you. It's on my desk at Valley Ranch waiting for you to uh, come by and grab it. That'll be a prominent display on your ever-expanding wall of literature, Richard. Right in the center. It's quite the height of American literature. It's seriously what's the funniest part, and it's funny. uh, For the listener, I got Richard a Bruce Valanche autobiography. (laughs) It's it's got to be like 110 pages. It's the shortest (laughs) – it's told entirely in t-shirts. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say forty-seven pages are just drawings of. Yeah, it depends. On, it's one hundred and ten pages or thirty-one t-shirts, depending on how you yeah. want to measure. And in the cover is just his face, like a white cover, <laughs> all white cover with just his face. I was like, I have to buy this. I cannot leave without buying this for Richard. Oh, man. And I can't that wait. Poor, that poor cashier. <laughs> I just love. I've had it on my desk at work, and I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it to you this. Yeah, I'm gonna give it to you this for, for this reason. Just to see people's face, and for people to 
make you think that you're serious. You really like Bruce Valanche. It's just the you never mention it. You just gotta have it like prominently displayed in your on your wall. <laughs> My favorite humor writers. Oh gosh, uh, American. Yeah. Well, Thurber, I think, is the grandfather of, of all great. Obviously, Twain. And then I'd say probably a third place is uh, I'd got to go Valanche. <laughs> is that uh, Antoine Valanche? No, Bruce. Bruce Valanche. <laughs> uh, the... <laughs> so great. Oscars fame. You know. What's your book, uh, Brian? Uh, it's called The Big Bad Book of Bill Murray, A Critical Ooh. Appreciation of the World's Finest Actor. And I think that... American uh, Treasure, Bill Murray. Yes. Uh, it's by Robert... Schneckenberg, Schneckenberg, uh, and it's it's just like this. It's almost coffee table size. It's like a small coffee table book, I guess, with just pictures and uh, essays, and it's got an A to Z encyclopedia of just facts and trivia and stories about Bill Murray, who again is the greatest American human of all time. And so it's it's the coolest book that I've got on my shelf currently besides the taboo autobiography obviously mm-hmm. and uh and it's the really Whataburger cool. story yeah that's also a, another great book that i that i own uh the greatest the greatest story ever told i would think but uh yes it's great it's it's one of those that you can like pick up and read two pages of and then put it down and come back yeah three weeks later and it's it's just a really cool little thing and and i love bill murray the most so there you go richard Mine's about another great American icon. It's a uh, it's a documentary that's growing on HBO now or Go or HBO, however you choose to ingest it. Uh, Mr. Dynamite, the James Brown story. It's awesome. Oh, nice. And uh, Mick Jagger produced it. And it's fantastic. And James Brown is uh, just, I mean, just the footage alone is worth the two hours, uh, not to mention the story and everything, which is really neat as well. So, uh, But the uh, music and performances that live and, and kind of some of it's pretty obscure. Um, it, it, it's just it's wonderful. So highly, highly recommend that if you're if you're an HBO HBO subscriber. But uh, yeah, good episode, guys. I enjoyed talking to you guys. This was fun. This is a good one to talk about. Yeah. Ton of movie news. A lot of good stuff happening. 2016 we, has been a great year so far. Much for better me. than I thought it would yeah. be. Much better. We much should better. tease next week though. Next week's a yeah. big one, guys. Yeah. Episode 200. 200. And made it. This is going to include numerous items such as the. Uh, candid us talking about the origin of the show we don't do that very often we like to reflect on where we came from our backstories we don't talk about much in our personal lives or anything like that so that's a good opportunity uh to do that but the big crux of the episode and should i reveal it now or should we reveal it at a later date i'll reveal it now for the people who listen let's do this it late. yeah they made it this far. top they 10 did. top 10 tv shows of all time and this is personal favorite in a very similar way to episode 100 was our top 10 favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. top 10 television shows of all. This is a big request. We get this a lot uh, for people love our list episodes and especially when we talk about, you know, TV. And um, so this is kind of a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about this one. I have no idea what y'all are going to do. And this is going to be a it's fun tough, discussion. man. I started uh, trying to figure out what I'm going to do and it's, it's this might be harder think. than the movie episode, yeah. to be honest. It's harder for me because there's only nine Real Housewives shows. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, you know, finding that filler. RuPaul's Drag Race is going to mm, be in. Now we're talking. <laughs> All right. Well, and uh, on that note, Brian, where can I find you online? <laughs> you can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And next week I will have... 
my official ranking of all of the DC comic book. Oh, movie God, help yourself. And I have had the worst it's, week of all time. It's guys. just it's 90, 90 through 100, though. There's dozens of <laughs> higher. Than yeah, yeah. I'm not ranking. It's it's the uh, it's the Nolan trilogy at one, two, three, then Michael Keaton, Batman, and then uh, numbers five through uh, 864, <laughs> I think, are just blank. Spaces. Yeah, it's just. just just a long blank line between yeah. the two. It's been a rough week, guys. I'm not going to lie. I've watched some really bad movies over the last uh, last few days. It's been tough. Pray for me. Well, Hold uh, God bless you, and thank you for doing <laughs> that. But where can we find you, Richard? The Lord's work. Uh, you can find me at Richard Barden on Twitter or RichardBarden.com. Brian, where can I find you? You can find me. Oh, sorry. Ken, I didn't know Brian. <gasps> on Twitter, sorry. at Ken, Ken Garrison. Find, find our show online. Madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Only our most recent 100 episodes are on iTunes. We again, That's we have 200 half episodes. Only half. That's crazy to think. Only half. half. Jeez. And uh, those are all available on the website in the archives. We do have T-shirts available if you'd like to help out the show. It's a great way to donate, or if you just want to donate the amount of your choosing, you could do that on the website as well. And until uh, next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Bye. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me yeah, yeah.